We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth and Ed Kleinman uh, on today's uh, show, number 250, in the Cincinnati Business Talk uh, radio show series. Um, in today's show, Ed is in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Say hi to everybody, Ed. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, very hot. Very hot. Good. Uh, Ed, let me suggest that you uh, speak closer to the microphone. Uh, before we get started, let me tell everyone, I'll be telling everyone about uh, a couple of uh, upcoming events here at Sandler in uh, September and October. Uh, we have a Sandler boot camp, uh, eight-hour sales training day on Sandler Foundations on September 23rd. Uh, later in the uh, in the month, we have a, a seven-hour Sandler Enterprise Selling System Boot Camp. This is the, the brand-new Sandler uh, Enterprise System, which is strategic as opposed to tactical for large accounts, uh, long selling cycles, expensive pursuits, uh, and it's all about retaining uh, accounts long term. Uh, features uh, six new segments, as well as thirteen brand new Sandler tools. We'll be taking everyone through uh, all of the uh, the segments and tools, and then we'll spend some time on each one of the tools. It won't be in depth, but we're going to take you through, and you you will get some some really good knowledge, and you'll be able to make a determination whether or not you need to go further. Uh, every company is different, but when you deal with a long lead time, a two or three year sales cycle and 150000 to $300,000 cost of pursuing an opportunity, at the beginning, you ought to have a really good methodology to tell whether or not uh, you're going to be able to win. Um, in the uh, Sandler uh, boot camp, some of the things we're going to cover are uh, identifying the reasons to do business, questioning strategy, prospecting, uh, how to close the sale, and uh, how to improve your behavior, attitude, and technique. Um, and if you're interested in either one of those two programs, you can contact Brittany here at our office at 513-753-9400, extension 106. Um Okay. Let me tell everyone about uh, you a little bit, Ed. Ed, uh, since he was a, a little kid, enjoyed music, uh, everything from blues and jazz to the early days of rock and roll, folk, jazz, uh, and singers and songwriters. Ed, Ed spent 18 years working on the road with bands, starting out as a true roadie. That was an unpaid roadie, huh, Ed? 
I was an unpaid in the beginning. I was friends of mine for the Blues Project. Project. Go hang out. Just sit around and watch one amp and do this and do that. So you start helping them. And eventually, somebody in the back came back and came up to me and said, I keep seeing you hanging out here and helping you, helping Don. I guess you're friends. By the way, would you work for us? And I had, I had done night school for a couple of years. I transferred over to college. And I was off all summer before I started. I started back to college. I said, sure. And I said, well, maybe a few dollars a week, five dollars a week, and we'll pay any hotel that I said, great. I said, great. I just thought the whole thing was just kind of a, wow, I'm 21 years old. The world is amazing. We're based out of Greenwich Village. There were people all over Greenwich Village. Railways, the runaways, peace lovers, anti-war, this was, this was uh, and I'm working with a band, and I can get some young woman into the club with me, or come on, come on, okay, okay, <laughs> 21 years old, I'll take that. that. Okay, so you were in heaven at 21, in the rock and roll business. Heaven. As, as uh, I was it, told, if anybody asks, you're with the band. Okay, I can do with, that. Yep, you're with the band. Those were, I guess, in the days before there was both of our... Oh, uh, my quality audit person reports that uh, we have a high echo, Ed. Okay. okay. I can I lower can the, the... Let me lower the, the volume and get a little closer to my help. help. I don't know. Is yeah, that so, that'll help stop. Help stop. Yeah, you got to get a lot closer to the microphone and turn the speakers way down, Ed. Okay. okay. I have no idea where the mic is on there. Let's try that. Is try this working? Is this working? Is that a little better? A little better. A little bit better. Kind of stick with it uh, where you think the microphone is. Um, and you went on from... I can get without banging my head against my screen on the laptop. laptop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing, then, that this is not a picture phone conference. No. Would, uh, uh, calling in on the uh, Yeah, and why don't, why don't you do that? Why don't you call in on uh, 646-595-4916? Hold on here. I'm ready to go. Is the area code? It's a New York City area code. Okay, I got Six, it. I got it right 646-595-4916. Okay. While we're waiting for uh, Ed to call back in, we're going to uh, run a uh, short Sandler commercial. Think about this for a second. You graduate from college and decide on a career in sales. How much of your formal education was focused on sales skills? You know, the thing you're about to rely on to make a living. Zero. Hi, this is Mike Roth of Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Why is selling the only profession that people believe you can just walk in and be successful as long as you have a great personality and a little bit of ambition? No matter how skilled and knowledgeable you are in your field, whether it's finance, technology, or any other, you starve if you can't sell your products or services. For over 15 years, we've been training, coaching, and mentoring business owners and sales professionals who are committed to taking control of their careers. To find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger, register now for our next Lunch and Learn. Call me, Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced sales trainer, at 513-646-6523. Let's talk. 513-646-6523. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, 
Call 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth here with Ed Kleinman. And uh, Ed has agreed to uh, take questions from our listeners. Uh, so if you have a question during the show, call in on 646-595-4916. And uh, we will answer the calls during the commercial, screen the calls during the commercial breaks. And uh, hopefully get them on within a few minutes. Uh, Ed, you've also written a, a new book called Joint Venture, a backstage rock and roll journey. Uh, what was your motivation to, uh, to put the book together? I had a couple of friends that kept saying to me, you know, you're getting you know, older. Get older. Why don't you write down what you were doing? And I started three years ago. The book has been out about a year and a half, almost two years. And it's about what goes on. You go to a show. You want that. You want that. Artist, whatever, whatever, to be fantastic. fantastic. You don't want to walk out and say, that sucks. <laughs> but behind the stage, there's a lot that goes on. And that's where the roadies, tour managers, lights, cameras, action, all the stuff that goes on to make that show good, besides how good the band is or the artist. Mm-hmm. And we're all, in, we're all on stage. We're all on stage. You're on stage. You just did a big talk about uh, the Stanley stuff coming up. People that come to see that, you're going to perform for them. They go to their clients. They're really performing. And they have to do it right. And this way, that client will buy their products or services and will tell their friends, their other clients, by the way, you want to talk to Mike Ross. Mike Ross. It's, uh, we're all on stage no matter what we do. And I thought it would be great to show what really goes on backstage to make that show what it should be so that those fans tell their friends and you start out, let's say you're a solo performer in a bar, you know, a year later, two years later, you're on a, you're in an arena, because you performed because you well. Performed well. It doesn't matter doesn't what business matter what you're business in. You're, in. You're, still you're still basically on basically stage. On and stage. I, I went that, I went route, that with route with it. Right, right. And I kind of love the picture on the cover of the book, and people will be able to see that. <laughs> it's a picture of an, and a regular uh, glass-type ashtray with a, uh, looks like a joint in, in it. Oh, well. Oh, well. There's a story There's to a that, story and I'd rather not give the story away over on the phone because if people want to read the book, it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. You can get it in an e-book. You can get it in hardcover, softcover. So it's available but on Amazon.com? there because, well, in 1966, I knew how to roll one of those. The people I was yeah. working for didn't. <laughs> yeah, in the book, I thought I read a segment where it said that uh, you roll better joints than the guys in the band, therefore they uh, had you teach them how to roll a better joint. The the other roadies, the tour manager and the other roadies, that's where we worked it. Good, good. How long did it take you to put the book together, Ed? Uh, it took me three months to write it. Mm-hmm. It took another maybe four five months for editing. I used my own editors. Uh, I didn't use the publishing company's editors. I wanted the book wanted to the sound book like to sound we're like sitting down we're talking, talking about, this. about this. You know, you right. said to me, you're in the music industry. What's that all about? And I tell you a story. Sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so but it, t- it took so probably it took about probably nine months to get it out, nine, ten months to get it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of interviews in over the last uh, two years done blog talk radio about four or five times already mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. people running the shows right and uh how did you accumulate the uh the, the photographs that you have in the book well i got as many as i could uh some of the people you i were knew a photographer so I was, when you were a roadie no, 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 no. But I knew but some, I of, the knew people, some of the people. Bill was friendly Bill with was some friendly of the people. Some, some from Elephant's Memory. Memory. Some from the Stranglers. Some from the Stranglers. Uh, I, went I went online and I put yeah. in the name of the bands. And I searched through online. I talked to the people that I could find. They sent me pictures. And uh, we took it from there. 
I didn't get all the pictures. I got no blood, sweat, and tears pictures. I've got I've no, got Al, no Cooper Al Cooper pictures from Blues from Project days. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be I careful to with be LeBlanc careful and with Carr. I don't think I put a picture of them in there. That was a that's that was sad that's part, the of the sad book, part of the book, you know, with Leonard Skinner. And, and so I got as many as I could to put in. Right, right. Uh, got to thank the internet. Thank the internet. Hey, uh, it's uh, hard to tell. Uh, so let's go back uh, uh, to the beginning. Uh, before we do that, again, if you want to call him with a question for Ed or me, uh, 646-595-4916. Uh, so you grew up in Jersey City. Uh, and you had friends in, in New York, and you hung around uh, Washington Square Park at NY, near NYU. Bleaker yeah. Street, Google uh, Street, Google where all the beatniks doing, doing their poetry, the folk singers were doing it, and then, of course, it turned into the hippie world. Right, right. The youth movement, so to speak. So we were all young. What drew you down there from Jersey City? What drew me down? That was easy. When I was a young teenager, I got hooked on um, oh, on the road, oh, on the road, on the road. I'm going blank going on, blank uh, on his, uh, name, the his name, the writer's name. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But so I started speaking into the village, listening to poetry, listen to hanging poetry, out in the coffee house. house. I was 14 years old. And I met people that were New Yorkers, but were all the same. Age, age and, um, and uh, you know you start hanging out and you start finding that there's other things in life than just living across, living the, across river. the river. Right, right. You know, and that, uh, uh, that uh, it was uh, it was good stuff. It was good stuff. Met a lot of people, and I learned. You know, when you I was know, writing the book, writing book and looking at, and that, looking era at that era and beyond, and beyond, beyond, I learned how I learned important, how important uh, uh, relationship, relationship building is. Building is. And, people uh, trust. And it turns out, to, yeah, you, you gain people's trust. It's relationship building, and you later on in my rock and roll days, rock including, including when I graduated college, college, I was getting work. I was getting phone getting calls phone from people calls from I didn't people know, people but I didn't they know. had heard about they me, heard got, about my, me, phone got my phone number, and, and I'd go to work. Maybe I'd go out for a month. Maybe I'd go out for a week. Whatever, as a tour manager, at that time. At that time. But it's because it's of the because job you, the did. Job you did. did. And if you do a good, you job, do a good job and you do it right the first time, you realize you got a lot of free time. <laughs> the band's mm-hmm. not bothering you. are not changing amps. You're not changing tubes in those days. You're not stringing guitars. Everything is done. Everything's working. They finished their rehearsal. You're back out on the street hanging out in one of the bars or clubs that you wanted to go to. So when you started, were they still using? Tube amps, or, or had they oh, really yeah. switched up? Most of it was studies? tube amps. Those those boys were really heavy. Those were they those ever? Were they ever? Yeah. yeah, I have a good back to move them around. Uh, I had oh, a friend yeah. who, oh, yeah. who who ran a couple of bands. Uh, so, Ed, uh, in the process of starting at the bottom, which is you know literally what you did in the music business, and you worked your way up to. Uh, being a, a an agent and a, and a band manager. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell well, our listeners? Not so much, but I was a tour manager, and that means you know I had roadies underneath me, so to speak. But I never looked at it. I had done their job. They knew their job. The sound people knew their jobs. The lighting people knew their jobs. I'm the one that made sure they got paid. I'm the made sure the band got paid. That everybody was taking care of the band on the road, from the press to the hotels to the drivers of the trucks to the buses to the roadies. To keep handing them money that to go get an amp fixed because we needed fixed for the next show. And we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in Cincinnati and we're New Yorkers. How do you get the amp fixed? Uh, I have the faintest idea. <laughs> you find a local <laughs> repair shop. <laughs> that in yeah. 1968, you didn't have the internet to tell you where the repair shop was. 
No, no, but before we got on the road, there was a lot of pre-work done, so we knew where the music shops are, and uh, the, the people that ran the shows, the promoters knew where they were, so if we needed something, we could call ahead as we were going. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's pre-cell phone era. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> you had to stop the bus someplace to uh, call ahead. Yeah. Most phones were so, out of gas stations. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners the story of the time that uh, you you, you uh, were managing the band and you had to be on stage holding the symbol up? <laughs> the New York, the New York World's, World's Fair Pavilion. Pavilion. Huge, circular, I don't know, probably held 10,000, 15,000 people, 10, with, no people with no seats. Right, Bro, right. That's with the, the band called in, Rhinoceros. Uh, Black. Uh, so again, the rhinoceros, the rhinoceros was um, a super group, so to speak. People from various other various bands other that got bands together, that and we had an instrumental called Africa Brandy, Brandy that was being played all over the place. So here we are. We're on. They're on stage. Symbol break. It turns out to be a main symbol for the drama who was probably one of the nicest guys, guys you'd ever meet. Well, the roadies were well, busy roadies doing nasty stuff. stuff. Nobody could do Nobody anything. Could I, was do anything. I was the only one that could hold that up that symbol until there was a break to get it fixed. Nothing like listening to the music with your head underneath the symbol and the drum beating I'm surprised I'm still not deaf. So in those days, did you go on stage with earplugs in your ears? Uh, you know, I'm not sure I knew anybody back in those days that used earplugs. Earplugs. I started to see them back in the late 70s, early 80s. Early 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jack Kerouac, Jack Kerouac was the, was the author, author that I had read when I was 13, 14 years old. Ah, uh, yes. Just to go I back guess. for a minute. I hate forgetting stuff. Okay, well, you came up with it. We're going to take a, a, a two-minute break here and... Uh, Again, if you have any questions, you can call in and ask the question on 513. I'm sorry, the area code is 646-595-4916. Now, since this is a uh, a music show, let's see if we can play some uh, Sandler rap. (laughs) You can always put John Lennon on. Uh, I guess San Rap is in hi-fi, and today's show is in lo-fi, so we're going to go to a regular commercial. All right. When that happens, let's see. Bean shop. Imagine you just left your prospect's office, and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real. He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website, website, rothconsulting.net. 
This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Ed Kleinman. Uh, Ed, if people want to learn more about your book and maybe even hear a little bit of the music uh, that the bands were doing in the time, uh, where do they go on the web? Well, for the book well, has its book own website. website. It's www.jointventurejourney.com. And mm-hmm. there's excerpts of the book there and a few little odds and ends. And it's a nice, it's a nice website. website. And for the music, for, music, for every band for every I work band with, if you go if you to www.facebook.com forward slash joint venture journey, and you'll come to my you'll come to the page and just scroll down. There's videos of everybody I worked with, from John and Yoko and Elephant's Memory to Blood Sweat and Tears to the Stranglers in England who are still at it. They're on their 40, they're still working on their 40th anniversary tour, and I'm still in touch with a couple people involved in that band. Good. Why don't you tell our listeners how you uh, ran to uh, John Lennon and uh, Yoko Ono? I worked for a, a band called. Um, oh, I just. I only worked for them for a little bit. This one bit, this band and, and Gary Van Dyke and Adam Ibrahimo were players in that band. Bass player yeah. and and um, keyboard player. Keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, I had gone to California, spent a year in San Francisco, and I had a roommate there who had a bunch of money, and we promoted some shows out there. Um, and it kind of ended, and I came back at the end of the year. I got a phone call from Gary Van Syak saying, hey, Ed, how are you? And I hadn't talked to him maybe in a year or two. So for our listeners, tell, tell everyone who Gary is. Gary Van Syck is a bass player, still a bass player, and he was a bass player in a band that I'd worked with at one time for about a year. And um, I got a call out of nowhere. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, hey, by the way, you're looking for a job. And I said, yeah, I, mean, I just got back from California. I'm a little tired for the time, but yes, I'd like to go to back to work. And he said, well, we have a band called Elephant's Memory. How'd you like to interview for us? I said, great, said, no, great problem. no problem. Gave me the address, me the address. and I didn't know anything didn't about, know this about this band. I had no idea I who no they idea were, who they nothing. nothing. I go with it, they asked me to go, and kind of a West Village, kind of a neat, it was just a first floor, but it was a rehearsal studio. As soon as you walk in, you knew they, they, they rehearsed it. Okay. And there were five members of the band, including the two people I knew, Gary and um, Adam. Adam. Mm-hmm. And they spent about an hour or so asking me questions. What would you do with this? And what do you know? Who'd you work with? Blah, blah, blah. On and on and on and on and on. And I guess I answered them right because one of the guys turned around and said, When can you start? And I said, well, I got the job now, tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow. And and they said, that'd be great. Uh, we re- we're rehearsing tomorrow. Come to re- here for rehearsal. And then one of the guys turned around and said, oh, by the way, we're the backup band for John and Yoko. And I was very cool. I didn't faint or uh, you know, hold my heart and go, I'm out of breath. All I said was, cool, see you tomorrow. So, I so did all the rest of that when I got out and, by, outside myself. You know, my God, and, and, for pe- and for people who aren't in the music business, what does the backup band mean? You support John and Yoko. They do their songs and play whatever they're going to play, but you're really the backup band for all their tunes. you got the drums, the bass, the guitar, the keyboards. You are the band that's backing up what they're doing. So you're the band that's playing. Music. So the, this band called Elephant's Memory uh, was the band behind John Lennon and Yoko Ono's albums? A couple of New York albums, and then he produced a couple of their albums. And uh, they did a couple shows. They did a couple of big shows together. And then Elephant's Memory was out touring on their own, too. Mm-hmm. So we were out there running around the country playing shows. How, how, long, did, how long did you actually work with uh, Elephant's Memory? Two years. Two years? Approximately mm-hmm. two years, yeah. yeah. A lot of yeah, studio yeah. work with John and Yoko. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of people were John and Yoko as individuals? As individuals, the first time I met John, 
he was in the studio. It was late at night, and I was pretty tired. So was all the other road crew. Everybody was pretty tired, just sitting around waiting to see if somebody needed something. And he'd come out and tell some jokes, and nice guy. Watching him work, or both of them work, was amazing. How zoned in they were on their music, on what they wanted from their music, what they wanted it to sound like in a re- coming out of the amps and you know, speakers and everything. So into it. Like you just kind of mouth would fall open, go, oh my God, these guys really know what they want. Whether you liked what they did or not, it's a different story. Right. That's musical That's taste. Musical but, but they were professional. They were so good. And there were times that, you know, there was a bar called Home that we all hung out, and there were times that, you know, I'd spend a little time with John, and there were times that I would drive him home, drink a bit too much, you know. It's very hard, you know, when you got the government, the United States was trying to tell John he couldn't stay in the States. New York City, New York City had their, had their own Beatle. So everybody and their everybody uncle wanted to know John Lennon. A lot of pressure. Right. And and he did a great did job a great handling job it, handling even though people, people look back and say he did a sucky job at times. Job at times. Mm-hmm. But he straightened it all out. You know, they had a son, Sean, and he went on to live his life until somebody took it away. Never say it. I was in London when that happened. I was already had my own management company. And I got a phone got call, a woke call, me up, woke I don't up, know, 5 o'clock in the morning, morning from my wife. my wife. Well, she wasn't my well, wife, wasn't yet, my wife but, yet, but um, uh, let's unplug that. Anyway, that. anyway, and she told me the story, and I was in shock, and I was on my way over eventually that I had a meeting at EMI Records, which had something to do with the Beatles over in England, over in England. Mm-hmm. and it was and just... It was just just so sad. Just so it was sad. so sad. Was so sad. You know, there are a couple of sad things that happened while you're on the road and when you're with bands. There's another story in there with uh, Leonard Skinner, mm-hmm. which was probably, was I think that might have been that my saddest been my piece on, on the road. I mean, they were out doing this tour for supporting their album. The tour was, uh, I don't know, this was, know, this was, this was midsummer, this was and it's supposed to go till February, to go February in Hawaii. In Hawaii. And we were the opening act for same management company. Right. And here we are in Tampa, if I remember correctly. And one of the lead singer, background singer, background singer. Uh, she was the brother of Cassie, and she was the brother of the lead singer. She's backstage, she's backstage, and she's crying and screaming, and I don't want to get on the airplane. I don't want to. I, mean, I don't want to. I mean, never knew why never she knew didn't why get she on it, but it was sad it was watching sad her. Watching like, come on, let her go ride the truck. The truck's got to get to the same place. I mean, I would have been in the truck, but I had nothing to do with that band other than we were the opening act. Right. Well, she died in that plane crash that they had. We drove. We were the drivers. We drove to Baton Rouge. And in those days, if you put the radio on, mostly you got static. You got static. Yeah. You were near a big city, city, and then you'd have to look for a station. So we didn't right. know what so happened. We, we got, to the, hotel, got to the hotel, and they're checking and us in, and the guy turns the around and says, do you know what happened? You know what happened? No, we don't know what happened. No, we don't know what happened. And he told us about the plane crash. And, of course, the managers were the same management company, so they were getting together. Everything was, you know, getting itself together. But it was it was sad it was, it was because sad. she because didn't want to get on that bus. I mean, on the plane I mean, rather. Mm-hmm. You know. And it's just you know and to see something like that happen. I don't know. And they were and, and, and I, 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 I fell in love with the band. I wasn't a big fan until I watched these guys on stage and they were amazing. Yeah, well, they did stuff that I didn't you know know of. You know, as a non rock and roll roadie. It seems almost like a uh, a bad bad vibe for a, a singer to get on a plane, a private plane like uh, Rick Nelson, uh, the Big Bopper. Yeah, yeah, it's happened it's to a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, if you go back and go by the internet, and say, uh, musicians died in the plane crashes. You'll see a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Of know, course, they were moving between cities, uh, sometimes on short schedules. Ah, been there with airplanes. Yeah, until your book, I, I didn't think about the guys who were on the road driving the trucks with the equipment. Oh, there's accidents in that. There's even a story in my book with the Stranglers, their first show in New York City, first show on a three-month tour. The roadies finished up the show. It was good. It was a great show. I was there. 
they went to a friend's house to take a shower because they had to get in the truck and drive to wherever they were going. Cleveland, who knows where they were show us. But the truck got stolen. And... It was all it gone, was all everything. Gone. The only everything. thing that was left that over was were the guys' guitars, guitars and bass and, and stuff, stuff like that because they like took them back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. And this They're is where you find book. out one of the lessons learned in that book. You know, when something like that, something comes, like down, that comes down, we were managing the band. So I went to the mm-hmm. band and said, do you guys want to finish this tour or do you want to go back to England? You know, it's your choice. And they said they'd like they to finish like it. To finish it. I said, then we'll start renting the equipment as we go along, along. and you'll do the best you can. I'll back it. You can pay me back when you get back to the U.K. or whatever. Don't worry about it. Right now, the tour is what's important. And from the roadies to the sound to the lights to myself to my wife, who eventually became my wife, the booking agents, the record company, we made that tour happen, and everybody worked as a team, and working as a team sometimes is the most important thing you can do. Oh, yeah, some people bitched and moaned at times, but it wasn't at the band, it wasn't at the circumstances, other than, oh, I can't get the right amp in this town, you know? So we rented as much as we could in New York, and when we got, I had, a, I had a management partner, and when we got to uh, Los Angeles, he flew down from San Francisco, and he gave every one of the roadies a $100 bill and said, you got a couple of days off, go have fun. Go have fun. That's 1979, no, maybe 1980, and uh, $100 went, to, went a long way those days. Yeah, yeah, okay. But Thanks teamwork, for teamwork is important no matter what you do, and I don't care. It's, again, back to lessons learned. And these were things that when I was writing the book, all of a sudden I would say, wow, right, that's a lesson there. I mean, I, I can work as a team. I had done that in the uh, coaching business. You know, you're coaching 40, 50 people or whatever it is. And um, you've got to be on the ball and you've got to work together to make it happen for your client. And when you're on the road, you've got to make it work for your audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's hard. As I was reading through your book, Ed, uh, there's a chapter called Moving On to the Unknown and Some Surprises. After we come back from a couple of uh, short Sandler commercials, we'll be talking about that. Uh, the number you can call in to ask Ed a question directly is, as always, 646-595-4916. In a world of quick weight loss, extreme makeovers, and everything else at warp speed, it makes sense for salespeople to expect instant results from one-day training programs. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Do you think the number one golfer in the world learned to play at a seminar? Of course not. Without daily practice, coaching, and reinforcement, he'd be an 18 handicap. So why would you try to build your professional sales skills and your career with a quick seminar and a $79.95 rah-rah session? For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at Roth & Associates, 513-646-6523 to find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house. Call me at 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth with Ed Kleinman. Uh, Ed, uh, you uh, you have a chapter called Moving On and 
to the unknown and some surprises. Uh, what struck me was uh, the statement in that chapter, early in the chapter, when you say, I learned a lot, mostly what not to do. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that for our clients well, well, and listeners? By this time, you know, I had watched other bands, other people, and one of the things that I found, you know, that was was very important was, mm-hmm. you know, skip the drugs, gang. You got a performance to do. You got to work. You got amplifiers. You got to get in that truck and drive to the next town. And when you're based in New York, a lot of stuff was done in the, you know, in the Chicago, the Cleveland, the Cincinnati. For some of us that don't know any better, the Midwest. And there was these tours that would go through all of this. You have a lot to do there. And what not to do? What, don't get, you know, save everything for the days off that you have. And if you want to get wasted, but don't get wasted don't while you got a show to go. And that goes for the musicians too. I've watched musicians fall over on stage, uh, pass out, bleed from their nose because they were doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I. And you want to do it, do it right, because that's what really counts. I understand. I understand completely. One time I was in Vegas. I think I was there for a CES show and uh, had some time, so I. Uh, caught a uh, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, show where he comes on stage with his piano. Uh huh. He he had to be drunk with doing the show. He got about halfway through it, and I said to my wife, "We'll leave it," because <laughs> he was terrible. It was unbelievable. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Unbelievable that that he would yeah, come out on yeah. stage in that condition, or his management company would allow him to come out. At the end of the book, I have a lesson learned, and it is in capital letters, final lesson learned. Keep the joint ventures for your days off. Those who are successful are always learning, no matter what arena you are performing in. Believe in yourself. Always have goals. It's not about you. It's about your fans or your clients. Be the best you can. I can't say it enough. Perform at your maximum all the time. Practice and learn, and most of all, most keep, of rocking. keep rocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that is. I mean, there's stories in the book of people what I consider people that passed on success because maybe they didn't believe in themselves. You know, I get a I get a record deal for the first band I ever managed. These were guys I went to college with, and I get a record deal on Columbia Records. Everybody knows that label. Good record. Uh, I gave up my 10% of the royalties for the guy that put the deal together for me because I was friends with him, but he didn't want to do it for nothing, and he was a fairly well-known agent, and I didn't care. It wasn't about me. It was about getting this album out for this band because they were good, and they had great vocals, and the timing was good. Well, they went to Johnny, his name was. They went to Johnny and said, hey, Johnny, we know you helped Ed get the record deal. We'd like you to manage us. And Johnny turned around and said, if Ed doesn't manage you, you don't have a record deal. He told him to get out. He called me up right away. And I went over and saw them and said, I just heard about that. You guys don't trust me enough that you wanted somebody else for a manager. Well, go find one because I'm gone and this record deal is done. And I walked. Sometimes you got to walk on stuff, and you know this in your business. Some sure. people are not, they may be trainable, but you're the wrong person to train them. Mm-hmm. They'll give you, well, a, you know, headaches all the time, and you'll get gray hair all the time. You, you gotta, and that, that's, again, back to building relationships. I built a relationship with Johnny that he was going to protect me, and he gave up who knows what. Who knows what? It could have been. But you know what? The, the funny one about it is the band had... We had an amazing amount of demos done by some, you know, from Todd Rundgren, if people know who that is, to people from um, various other bands. I mean, it's just amazing what I was able to get done for them out of New York City from Connections. Connections. And they never took that stuff and went looking for another manager. They could have. I mean, you're in New York. You're, you know, across the river from New York. Come on. There's a million managers. Could have got another manager. They didn't do it. What made me always think that maybe they didn't believe in themselves. It was a piece missing. With other people, other people telling people them, "Oh, you're great, you're great, you're great," but they couldn't tell themselves, "We're great. Let's keep going." And they never did. There's one guy that I'm still friendly with. At times, he does. He's a bartender, and he does a uh, Neil Diamond show at at uh, supper clubs. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, well, it it shows uh, you know, two ingredients of good business, in my belief, are you know honesty and integrity. And uh, yeah, even though there's a lot, a lot of lacking that, there's a lot of. I mean, music business has changed so much. Anybody can put out a CD now. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you put your stuff put online your stuff and on. give people a, you know, a, a website here. Go listen to my music. I, YouTube stars have come out of YouTube. You know, all of a sudden somebody has a million people have <laughs> watched their video, and all of a sudden they got a record deal on that record. It's a different world. But you still have to create that music, and you still have to work hard and be great at your performance, at least as best as you can. I mean, everybody, you know, again, back to it doesn't matter what business you're in or what your product is um, or what your service is. You perform to your maximum, and you'll go someplace and believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, give it up. Good. We're going to take a short commercial break here. Again, if you want to call in and ask out a question, uh, 513-646-595-4916. I'm sorry, There we go. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Draw me a picture of your sales force. 5% at the top, you know, the overachievers who are successful no matter what. The 65% in the middle, when things are good, hold margins at least once in a while. And of course, the pink slip candidates. You know the ones in your desk drawer, you hold out hope that they're going to do better and never do. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. Does that sound familiar? Pretty typical sales force, huh? The problem is the bottom feeders suck up the profits that the top producers work so hard to hold. And the mediocre ones in the middle, they barely hold enough to stay on the payroll. Are you willing to live with that? Or are you ready to make some tough changes? For over 15 years, we've been training, coaching, and mentoring owners, managers, and professional salespeople who are committed to taking their careers to a higher level. To find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger, register now for our next open house. Call me at 513 646 Six five two three. Okay, this is uh, Mike Roth and Ed Kleinman. Uh, Ed, why don't you tell the uh, the listeners a little bit about uh, a band that that they have, I'm sure, heard of, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and what was your involvement with them? Yeah. Okay. Um, they were. I started out with the Blues Project, and Al Cooper was the keyboard player in in that band. And he had some dreams of uh, going to Europe and playing with Stevie Winwood, if I'm not mistaken, and, and doing a whole bunch of stuff that he did. When he came back, he put together, put together. the original Blood, Sweat, and Tears, uh, which did the first album, I think it's Child is a Father to Man. And uh, it was a great album, great album. What went on internally? Well, you know... That's stuff that's not worth talking about because it's it's their stuff that they did. And at some point, uh, so Al what, Cooper what was, was taken out of the band. band. Yeah, Al yeah. Cooper was taken out of the band. And they were great. I mean, you had four horn players in there. You had a great drum. Everybody was, they're incredible, that first band. But they were just as incredible with David Clayton Thomas uh, as a second singer that they brought in, who also happened to be a very good guitar player. And some of the guys in the band who played guitar had some problems with him playing his guitar. He was better than the other guys. Mm-hmm. But not my band, not my, you know, band, not my yeah. place to say. But David was a really nice guy. And uh, there was a time on the road that we were roommates. It just ended up that way. And he was writing a song called Spinning Wheel. 
and my joke always is, I heard that song every single night, at least 30, 40 times every single night before we fell asleep. And it was amazing. <laughs> it's probably the only song in the whole world that I knew all the words for, to it at that time. <laughs> but it was, uh, 30 or 40 times. It was, great. It, was, it was great to work with horn bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the rock blues project, bluesy, rocky, uh, some very commercial, folky type stuff they did because it was a time. That was 1966, 67. To more bigger, better, kind of fact, Blood, Sweat, and Tears did the Ed Sullivan show. We did that. And then that big party afterwards, they were getting ready to do a European tour. And I was asked, are you going to come on tour with us? And my answer was, I'd love to. The problem is, is that I'm almost done with school now. I graduate in May, and uh, I'm the one that went back to school. I'm the one that wanted to go to college. My family didn't force me into that, and I'm going to graduate. And you know what the management, and they all said? They said, great, go do it, you know, because you build that again. You go back and you build those kind of relationships where, you know, they they know who you are. And you know who they are with all our faults and all our pluses, you know, especially when you travel around on buses and you're living in hotels. And you know you forget you don't even know what your next town is. You just know that the driver knows where he's going. You know. Right, right. Uh, I want to steer the conversation here to something uh, you wrote in one of the la- later chapters in the book, and I'm just going to quote it and ask you to comment on it. What you said is, as the manager, you have to be their trusted advisor. Yeah. Tell us yeah. how you see that. I saw that in. Not only in the bands, they need to count on you to get the job done. And I, I know I've said that many times, but there are a lot of things that go on. I mean, these guys are writing songs. They need to be published. They got to be. Is their publishing company good? Is their agent good? They expect when they turn around and say, "Let's go out on tour," you're the one that's got to put it together, and you're the one that's got to bring it to them and say, "This is what we got. This is where we're getting played. This is where we got to go." We set up the press with people on the road. They've got to be able to do it. They got to know that you're not going to screw them. And I watched over the years, I've watched other management companies as a roadie or a tour manager really do a job on the bands. I mean, there are people out there that are collecting lifelong money from bands that they managed 25, 30 years ago, and they're still collecting money on their, you know, recordings or publishing or whatever. When I got out of the business, our deal with the bands were. We'll find you a manager that you like, that you can work with, and we're done. You don't owe me anything. If I'm not going to do the work, then why should I get paid for something that I've already been paid on up to the moment? I also Mm -hmm. did something that I thought was fair, too. And part of it is, you know, to be honest, you know, getting all of a sudden having been in my own management company, I took 17.5% instead of 20%. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, I'm going to be learning gonna a whole lot while I'm doing this besides what I already know, you know. It just, it just it felt fair. You know, mm-hmm. I can look back, and when I was writing the book and when I talked to people, I can look back and I don't regret anything I did. So I don't, uh, I didn't screw anybody, and I'm glad. So you know, maybe we can list out the ingredients uh, of a trusted advisor. Be fair. Be fair. Be honest. Be up front. You got something to say because something's going on that you don't like, say it. Let the people know up front before you get involved with them that, you know, you're gonna hold them accountable to do their part and you you're willing to be held accountable to do your part. Mm-hmm. As as the band manager, were you there in quotation marks leader? Did I do what? Say that again. As the band band's manager for the management company, you were the leader. Am I correct? Of the business side. Yeah. Uh, perhaps you could give uh, other leaders and other businesses just one leadership tip. What would that leadership tip be, Ed? <laughs> be straightforward. Be straightforward. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don't BS anybody. Just be straightforward. Right. And respect who you're talking to. That's another one. That's the second one. Respect is very important. Respect is very important. Respect. That's uh, how you get it back. If you respect them, there's a good chance they're going to respect you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you tell when you tell somebody you're going to do X, Y, and Z, go do X, Y, and Z. 
So you know, if you can't uh, do it, question, then go to the people and say, I can't do it. I tried to do it. It's just not, I can't get it done. I can't get it done. Today, uh, right. Uh, in the last couple of minutes, I got to ask a couple of questions about where you, where you've been for the last uh, fifteen <laughs> or eighteen years. You you moved from the music business to the business of coaching people. How did well, you I moved you? this way. I moved from New York City. My wife decided she wasn't working with me in the music industry, and we shut it down anyhow, uh, which was okay. Uh, we wanted to make some money out of it. We didn't want to invest a whole lot more and we would have had to. But it was it was time to change. And went to Philadelphia. She went off to uh Temple University for a law degree. I went into sales for my brother who had a a fairly large thousand student uh computer repair school, technical school, nineteen eighty four, um coordinating his ten salespeople. Well, that got to be a point where, wait a second, I'm closing business that they're sending in and I'm not getting paid on it. So one of the salespeople said, well, then you better take a kit, you know. Those days they used the word kit. And go out on the street and show us what you can do. Well, I went out on the street and I was number two for the month in closing business, not number one. I couldn't get the last couple ones. So that made me director of sales. Then he bought three schools down here, um, medical assistant, dental assistant, that kind of stuff, down in right. Maryland. And I came down to be director of admissions for all three. He sold those. I stayed in that business for a while. And then, which you probably know, the school I was working with went under, and I came, my son was born, and my wife was going back to work, and he was three months old, and I stayed home with him for a year and found a job with Sandler Sales Institute as one of their coaches. And not that I knew what a coach was in those days, but between a woman named Debbie who was head of the department and Sandler was alive in those days, watching them work, I picked up on it. From there, after six and a half years, I ended up uh, on my own. They were, going, they were doing some stuff that uh, it was time to leave. And uh, I ended up uh, opening up my own company, which I became a... Uh, Independent contractor for Objective Management Group, one of the best tests in the world. And I was 14 years there, and then it was time to let's go a little semi-retirement. Still doing a little coaching and still would like to pick up a few more clients. Mm -hmm. Not 20 of them, but, you know, four or five more would be really nice. Uh, People like yourself who are, uh, Mm -hmm. you own the company, you're a CEO of the company, you're in the Salesforce development arena, and you're also emotionally tied into your company, and sometimes that could get in the way without you even seeing it. That's what sure. I. That's what I. Sure. And here I am, you know, years later, talking to you that I met way back in uh, your early Sandler days. Sure, sure. That must have been what ninety three, ninety four. I was I was there until uh, ninety three is when I came on board, and I was there until ninety nine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was one of your trainers. <laughs> I'd say you, you were one of the coaches. That's right, um, one of the coaches. That's that's the best word for one of the coaches. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I want to uh, thank you for uh, for being on the show today, and appreciation of being on the show. We're going to send you down uh, one of the new Sandler books. Oh, and, please do. Yeah, Sandler's just turning out a ton ton of books. Uh, he, he really would have appreciated it. Again, Ed, oh, thanks for being on the show. Good. Okay. Well, my pleasure, uh, Michael. I appreciate it. And anything I can do for you, I will. And uh, for those that are out there listening, go have fun. Amazon.com has got the book. You just have to put in the whole title Joint Venture, a Backstage Rock and Roll, or you put in Ed Kleinman's name with a K. Good. Okay. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.